We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck. Bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Monday Rotowire Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. I'm your host, Jake Letarski, joined today by Derek Van Riper, who is filling in for the lean, mean, and clean Chris Benzine. If you're out there on Twitter, you can give Derek a follow, at Derek Van Riper. You can give myself a follow, at Jakeski52. Derek, we had our company wiffle ball outing the other day. We went one and two, lost the series tiebreaker on a walk off uh, walk off home run by Rotowire's own Ben Miller. Pretty disappointing. But what is what is overall the the key to uh, success in wiffle ball? Is it pitching? I mean, the pitching got better as we improved early on, didn't it? Yeah, we we didn't have the wiffle balls with the holes only on half. Mm-hmm. of the ball so they don't move quite the same way you can't mm-hmm. throw the ridiculous like youtube breakers that you see when you watch wiffle ball videos because you know we all watch a lot of wiffle ball videos mm-hmm. uh, so really i think it is limiting the damage of uh, anything in play it's playing good defense you know if you can actually position yourself in a way to make outs without allowing big innings mm-hmm. that's that's it to me because the pitching is kind of neutral you know yeah. like everyone's kind of just grooving the ball in there mm-hmm. and as long as you are shifting appropriately against the lefty 
or making sure you back up a little when someone who rips the balls up. Just making those adjustments, I think, makes uh, all the difference in the world. Yeah, I mean, the way the wind was blowing out yesterday, it was pretty impossible for left-handers to put one over the right field fence. Wind was blowing heavily from right to left that evening, so a lot a lot of dingers got over the uh, left field wall. There's some quality bat flips to go off of. Uh, and the defense, yeah, just improving as it goes on as we figure out a little bit more how to pitch. I mean, the first inning of the first game was like 6-5, to five, but I don't think we scored that many combined runs for almost the rest of the evening two separate walk-offs though on the night of course making wiffle ball very exciting I hit a grand slam and I think it was like the seventh most impressive home run of the night like it wasn't even <laughs> it, I, didn't, I didn't hit it as far as some of the other ones it wasn't a walk-off I mean it really was just kind of like a nondescript <laughs> grand slam which uh, made me kind of feel bad about it the more uh, the more we kept playing but you know whatever it was a lot of fun it was a good mm-hmm. gathering and I'm sure it's something we'll do again yeah, exactly. Hopefully, maybe even get some of our Madison listeners involved. We'll have to see there. But let's get on to uh, the core here of the podcast. We're talking daily fantasy baseball, switching up the schedule a little bit. We're going to go ahead and get you action the day of. So we're going to talk about Monday's slate while we have prices to work with here. And that starts with the Cubs and the Pirates. And, of course, we have got, uh, we've got Jason Hamill on the mound for the Cubs, off to a pretty solid start, going up against Garrett Cole. Now, these are two uh, middle-tier type pitchers here on FanDuel this evening Uh, so not necessarily the couple of aces that are over 10,000 but we've got Garrett Cole checking in at 9,100 Jason Hamill at 8,900 and 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 Vegas says that there should be at least a little bit of stake in this game I mean the over under is only seven so pretty low uh you pretty much looking towards the pitchers in this game uh, such as Garrett Cole yeah I think at 9,100 Cole would be the one of the two I'd pay up for because Hamill's only $200 cheaper and even though Mm -hmm. the win probability is probably close to even yep I'm a lot more confident in Cole's ability to keep a good Cubs lineup quiet than I am in Hamill to keep a pretty good Pirates lineup quiet. So mm-hmm. edge Cole because there's more strikeout potential. I think there were times at the end of last year where Hamill was getting yanked out of games pretty early. It felt like he was failing to even go five innings a lot down yep. the stretch. Maybe that's more of a concern for the second half mm-hmm. of the season, but it has sort of rattled my confidence in Hamill in the sense that I'm not willing to pay up premium price for him. I think if the price gets down maybe around 7500 7700 again middle of the year i could see myself owning him then but not at 8900 on the road against the pirates yeah right on there i mean the pirates minus 116 favorites in this game so i mean essentially if you take the juice out there it's almost almost a pick em. it's very very close there of course cubs with one of the better records in baseball at 17 and 6 but you can't really turn down uh what Garrett cole has i mean are, are you going to avoid hitters then in this game or do you think you can find any type of value from from some of the cubs guys i know madden likes to play around with that lineup getting guys like Listella and and Soler's playing time has been a little bit limited lately of course you got the Cubs catching situation with Montero out or are we pretty much staying away from hitters in this game and and kind of heading towards some of the higher over-unders you know I think I'm going to stay away from hitters at least on the Cubs side because Rizzo is priced up at 4,700 not getting a discount there Hayward at 3,400 could maybe be a GPP option I think that's that's maybe the the most sneaky play you could make. I mean, Zobers switch hits. He's thirty three hundred, but mm-hmm. there's not a lot of left handed pop in that lineup. And Pittsburgh's a difficult place to hit, so I, I think you factor mm-hmm. that in along with Cole and generally stay away from the Cubs today. Yeah, I mean, and then on the Pittsburgh side, you've got a guy like John Jaso who homered yesterday. 
bringing his price up to 3200 I think he's, he is a leadoff hitter, so you have that upside at first base. But I think once we get up to 3200 there's other options in that area and other first base options that we'll discuss a little bit later that might make it a bit more viable. Now, we go from a low over-under pitching-centric matchup to a pretty high over-under uh, mostly hitting-centric matchup here in Toronto. You got the Rangers and A.J. Griffin uh, heading to Toronto to face R.A. Dickey and the Blue Jays. Toronto minus 145 favorites on the day, over-under of 9 on that game. Of course, I'm probably staying away from both of these pitchers and, and looking to pay up for hitters in this in this type of matchup. Oh, without question. I think the question is, do you, do you care that you know Toronto doesn't have a lot of lefties? I don't. I think you can mm-hmm. still pretty much throw righties in there. I mean, Michael Saunders at 3400 is not a bad option because mm-hmm. he's a cheap way to get some exposure, but Edward Encarnacion's price is down, and even though it's righty-righty, A.J. Griffin's problem to me as a pitcher is being homer-prone and getting into a place like Rogers Center is only going to exacerbate that problem. The other cheap option, I guess, if he's playing today is Justin Smoke. 2100 is extremely low price, but he'd be pretty far down in the order, so... I don't think I'd go uh, down to that low. So I, I think you could think about a full stack. You could totally stack this game if you wanted to in cash, try to mix and match and get several players from both sides. Yeah, I really like uh, the Saunders recommendation that you mentioned. Of course, he'll save a little bit of money. He's someone that's led off in five straight games, I believe, now, and he's got that platoon advantage, so you have to think about that. So what do you think about Fielder versus Encarnacion? Because you can't play them both. I mean, it's 3400 for... Encarnacion, it's thirty one hundred for Fielder against Dickey. I mean, I'm kind of tempted to save the three hundred bucks and use Fielder as my first baseman. Yeah, I think that uh, that would work out. I mean, you've got the uh, you've got the platoon matchup at least there for Fielder, so that'll that'll help his case. And of course, when you can save a little bit of money, I just I, I don't have a ton of faith in what R. A. Dickey brings to the table at age forty one, even pitching at home, uh, at, you know, six seven five ERA on the year, giving up a lot of base runners here. So I think a good way to get exposure to this game is to go ahead and pay a little bit up for. Prince. I like Mazzara too at 3,200. So it may end up being a stack that's a little heavier with Rangers because you can go lefties mm-hmm. against Dickey. Although I think with a knuckleballer, it doesn't really matter as much if it's lefty mm-hmm. versus righty or anything like that. I think it's just kind of taking the guys who are up in the order, who have that power, yeah. maybe who have the ability to handle a knuckler. Some guys can't hit them, but on the other hand, like the day you're going to hit a knuckleballer is the day he's off. Like if, if something's off and he's just grooving pitches in there, he's not getting that late mm-hmm. movement that's when that Rangers lineup can go off. Yeah, nothing too statistically to base off that, but maybe the platoon things don't quite matter as much, and it's just a matter of timing and can you square it up here. Next, uh, we're going to head on over to Cincinnati, Great American Ballpark. we got the uh, Giants and Johnny Cueto, the red-hot Johnny Cueto, taking the mound against Brandon Finnegan and the Reds here now. Cueto, personally, he's got to be my favorite play in cash games. He's pretty much uh, the chalk play of the day there. Are you on board with that? Yeah, we called him the Ralph Wiggum chalk play of the day on the SiriusXM show this morning. I, I think that's the way to go if you're going to pay up top dollar for an arm tonight. I think it makes even more sense to fit in Cueto if you can afford him over a guy like Garrett Cole. I mean, the Reds' offense is putrid. It's a bottom five offense. I expect it to be close to that all season I think one difference is Joey Votto is going to hit eventually mm-hmm. that might nudge them up a few spots but even still they're going to be an offense you can pick on time and time again Cueto of course had a lot of success pitching at Great American Ballpark so you don't mm-hmm. worry about the um, offensive friendly tendencies of that park with a guy who's so familiar 
with that environment. Yeah, you look at the top two pitchers on the slate, and you've got Cueto at 10,600, and then Dallas Keuchel at 10,500. We'll get into that matchup a little bit later, but you pretty much, if you're going to pay up for a pitcher trying to be safe in your cash games, you got to pick between the two of them, and I just like Cueto a lot more in his return home. He's um, a much safer play. If I'm if I'm paying over 10,000 for a pitcher, it has to be a pretty safe play for me, and, and Keuchel doesn't seem, after giving up five and six earned runs in his last couple of starts, doesn't seem like that safe of a play. So definitely going Cueto, I think he's... Like we said, the chalk play in all cash games. Now, hitters, are I know Finnegan can be good if uh, if you can get to him earlier. If he gets left in too long, he's been susceptible to home runs before. But, you know, looking at the catcher position, I mean, Buster Posey and the Giants, I think, is in play at 3,400 there. Uh, anybody else you're looking at hitting-wise in this matchup? Yeah, Posey's a player I really like. I mean, Hunter Pence at 3,500, I think, is also in the mix. I think the difference mm-hmm. being, of course, you've got plenty of viable alternatives in the outfield, so it's not necessarily like a must-play, but I don't really like the catcher position all that much today, mm-hmm. so I think paying the premium for Posey could make a lot of sense. And some people might be afraid of, of Finnegan. He's an intriguing pitcher, but he's not overpowering. He had the 9Ks against the Phillies his very first time out mm-hmm. this season. Hasn't struck out more than five batters in a start in the four starts since. Yeah, I mean, Posey really on a tier of his own when it comes to catchers today at 3,400. Because you go down the list, you've got Cervelli at 3,300, Molina at 3,200, Sal Perez and Nick Hundley and Steven Vogt and Luke Roy all at 3,000. So it's a very kind of middle tier that uh, you know no one really jumps out at you a ton. So I think if there's a day to pay up for catching, yeah, you can definitely go uh, with Posey in that matchup there. If you're listening to this podcast, you know how much DVR and I love Daily Fantasy Baseball and love talking to you about it. We always want to deliver great content to our listeners, and the best way to do that is to learn more about you. In order to do that, we've created a survey that's quick, anonymous, and you'll have a chance to win a Google Chromecast for helping us out. Visit www.mylistenerstudy.com and tell us about yourself. That's mylistenerstudy.com. We'll learn more about you, and you'll get a chance to win a Chromecast. That's a win-win situation. Again, it's just as easy as rating and reviewing the pod. Visit mylistenerstudy.com here. One other matchup that it's time to get to is the Braves and the Mets, uh, something that you definitely want to take a look at here. We've got Mike Fultonevich on the hill against Bartolo Colon. Now, for some reason, the over-under on this game, you'd think it'd be a little bit higher than and seven, but that's where we're at. Uh, Mets minus 200 favorites. Now, we discussed earlier how terrible the Braves' offense has done. I mean, they're dead last in weighted on base percentage, 20 points behind uh, the you know the next team up here. So is Bart an option, Bartolo Colon I'm talking about, or are we really looking more towards hitters in this one? I think you could throw Bart out there in a GPP. I don't think he'd make the top five for me as far as GPP plays for today, just based mm-hmm. on upside potential, because even with Atlanta's offense being atrocious and I mean they're like a standard deviation or two worse than every other team in weighted on base average it's kind of remarkable we'll see how long it holds up like that but Mm -hmm. if that's something that turns into a trend people are gonna be loading up against the Braves with pitchers all season long I I think the the number is low the over-under number is low because of that Atlanta offense not because Mm -hmm. of the pitching matchup not because Vegas thinks that Fultz-Nevich is going to come out and deal uh, I think the Mets are going to probably win this game with relative ease. You could see them kind of cruising like a 5-2, 6-2 sort of win. That's why that number pops up a little bit low. If you look at that Mets lineup right now, the prices are quietly creeping up because they've been just crushing the ball for the better part of the last three weeks now. I don't really see one particular value play there. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. David Wright at 2900 is the guy that you'd think about based purely on cost, but 
at the same time, the production hasn't been there, and I'm beginning to think something's just wrong physically, and he's not going to be the player that we thought he could be coming into the year. Mm-hmm. And that was with the caveat that he would miss time and that he'd need more days off, more maintenance. But I don't really know what to make of David Wright at this point. Yeah, you know, I'd agree with you. He's hitting in a favorable spot in the lineup out of the two spots. So for under 3,000, he's always in play. But third base is one of those positions where you almost want to pay up for an Arenado or a Josh Donaldson just because you don't want to be missing out on that power that those guys bring to the table, especially when you predict them to be very highly owned. And, of course, yeah, it's very tough to pick up Mets plays right now because Michael Conforto, who's been red hot lately, his price is 4,300 now. He's almost as much as Cespedes is there, and I think – at that price, it gives you, uh, it's almost tough to uh, find value there. Uh, I do want to just quick touch on the Braves side before we move down. We kind of talked about Freddie Freeman potentially, but again, in that offense, he just doesn't have any protection. I mean, we're talking, you know, because Nick Marcakis tends to lead off for him. So we're talking about guys like Adonis Garcia or Jeff Francoeur being counted on to protect Freeman. So I don't like him a whole lot. In one lineup I did make, I, I used Eric Ibar, switch hitter against Bartolo Colon, just because you can get him at 2200 at the shortstop position, and that's pretty much pure salary relief. But overall, it's not necessarily a matchup that I'm trying to stack up a bunch of hitters in. Yeah, I'm not crazy about enough of the Braves hitters. I mean, you can look at a team and say, well, they're slumping and they're going to get better, and I just don't see a lot of reasons to be optimistic. But if I had to plug in one Atlanta hitter, it's Freddie Freeman by a mile. I think the downside mm-hmm. is that I like other players at first base today. I mean, field. I, I like Fielder better. I like Encarnacion better. Mm-hmm. And Fielder's $100 cheaper. Encarnacion's only $200 more expensive. So you got two guys right in the same price tier who are in a better park with just as good of matchups who also maybe aren't dealing with nagging injuries, which Freeman seems to be uh, bothered by that wrist problem that, that gave him some issues last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. Well, let's move on to a little bit more projected higher scoring game. We've got the uh, Angels heading to Milwaukee to face the Brewers here. Jared Weaver on the mound for the Angels. Jimmy Nelson on the mound for the Brewers. Of course, Milwaukee's slight favorite, minus 107. That's pretty much a pick em, uh, once you take the uh, house out of it. Over-under of 9 here. Uh, now, we kind of talked on XM about the big chalk hitting play of this, uh, of this matchup. Uh, DVR, who you got? It's Trout. I mean, he's 4700 If you compare him to the other top hitters on the board today, it's a couple hundred dollars cheaper than Harper. It's 100 less than Arenado. And Trout's getting the park boosts. Going into Miller Park, it's a park that inflates right-handed power in a big way. You have to like this. Even though it's righty-righty for Trout, I think he's the elite bat. You know, looking at Harper, Arenado, Trout, Donaldson, Rizzo, the one I like the most today is Mike Trout. Yeah, right on. I think almost, I mean, there's hitters from both teams that are going to be in play here. I mean, outside of Trout, the Angels offense has struggled a little bit, but I know Jimmy Nelson's a pretty solid pitcher, but Jared Weaver, I don't have a ton of faith in him on the other side. He's checking in with an ERA under four, it's got an XFIP over six, and it's just, with Weaver, of course, the story is going to be fastball velocity, and I mean, that's topping out around 82 this year, which is just, it's amazing how he can keep that going. Of course, both him and Bartolo Colon in play today, guys like that that can keep it going, but on the Brewers side, I don't mind Jonathan Villar heading out, hitting out of the second spot. Typically, a switch hitter can get a platoon uh, matchup there, and you could even ride the hot hand with guys like Carter and Braun. I mean, the Brewers went off for 14 yesterday. Maybe they can keep some of that hot hitting going. I imagine an Angel stack could be in order, though, too, because the Brewers have the league's highest team ERA at 565 right mm-hmm. now and before you say well maybe they're actually better than that FIP says they're not FIP's got them at 563 I mean it's been 
the starters, it's been the relievers, it's been a lot of disappointments overall in that pitching staff. And I realized that was the weakness of this team as they started their big rebuilding effort mm-hmm. really last summer. But I'm surprised to see that the Brewers are almost a, they're a quarter run worse in ERA than the Rockies with one month already played. Yeah, I mean, that's that's quite eye-opening of a sample size, and we're going to continue to see this with the Brewers all year as they rotate and try out some of their younger guys. They've got, you know, better prospects on the way here, but uh, and until then, you know, let's uh, let's continue picking on the Brewers, and we do this for opposing pitchers sometimes. Of course, it didn't work on Sunday, uh, but definitely for opposing hitters here. Well, MLB season is here, and that means Daily Fantasy Baseball is back. Go to FanDuel.com to play now. Remember, building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary and sit back tonight and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1 so anybody can play. Remember, that's FanDuel.com here. Moving on in the slate, we got a game that we alluded to earlier a little bit. That is the Twins, who will be sending Jose Barreos to the mound, uh, heading to Houston and uh, going up against Dallas Keuchel and the Astros. We mentioned Keuchel uh, right up there at 10500 next to Johnny Cueto. Um, I'm pretty nervous about him. Do you share that sentiment? A little bit because the Twins can send a bunch of righties in their lineup and it kind of stack against them that way, and that could cause some problems. But Keuchel's home road splits are such that yeah, I think you worry less about him at home and this being a home start. This could be just fine. I mean, last season, he had a 146 ERA at Minute Maid Park. He was 15-0. Everything seems like it's lining up for him to have a decent start. I think the difference is the Cueto start, is even better. Like the Reds mm-hmm. offense for me is so much weaker than the Twins offense and this being another hitter friendly environment even though Keuchel's pitched well in it. I think that's what leads me to Cueto over Keuchel today. So I think I'm a little higher on Keuchel than you are and if Cueto weren't there, I probably would use Dallas Keuchel today. Yeah, something to think about. I mean, the Twins offense has has certainly underachieved this year. They're striking out a ton. Uh, of course, you know, had a demote buyer in Buxton there and in Buxton's place it comes up Danny Santana, who is a very popular waiver wire acquisition this week he sits at only 2400 on FanDuel I still don't know if I can use him just because they the just the price on him against Keuchel you know I'm not I'm not high on Keuchel tonight but I, I do like him long term I, th- I think he'll sort uh, the early season troubles out for sure so I like them uh, on the other side I mean Barreos represents an interesting GPP option as a pitcher I mean he did have a very tough uh, go around his last time out against Cleveland but uh, he gets a right-handed heavy matchup against the Astros and a team that's starting out at a clip of uh, 26%, and I think Barreos, I mean, he's uh, pretty cheap here. You can find him at 6,200, so that offers you a lot of line and flexibility, possibly someone to consider in those GPPs. Yeah, I think he is in play for GPPs. If you're not using him today, I think the hitters you might want to think about are guys like Preston Tucker. He's yep. $2,000 if he's in the lineup, which he should be, mm-hmm. with Carlos Gomez banged up. Maybe he hits 6th or 7th, but this is a great spot, a good way to get that salary relief you talked about earlier, a guy that could certainly take advantage of a mistake and and cash it in, Uh, and it's just going to open up a lot of flexibility for you elsewhere on your roster. I guess Luis Valbuena is kind of in a similar vein too, but I'm more inclined to use a punt play as one of my three outfielders as opposed to third base, where you mentioned before there's some guys at the top you really like and even some guys in the middle who maybe have underperformed 
who also have good matchups today. Yeah, right on. Now, I've been putting some lineups together, just kind of some general ones before the actual official lineups come out. And Preston Tucker is just way too easy to, or to way too hard to pass up at $2,000. Very capable of, of going deep, especially against a young pitcher. And I'd say he's a pretty safe start tonight. Again, you want to wait and double check on those lineups. But Carlos Gomez dealing with a ribs injury. He's going to test his uh, test out the injury on the field Monday. At least that was the plan, according to the Houston Chronicle on Sunday. So he's going to test it out on Monday. And if things don't go as planned, he's probably heading for the disabled list. So if that's even an option at this point, I'm guessing he's not going to be starting. And of course, in the last two games without Gomez, the Astros have gone with Tucker, Rasmus, and Springer. So uh, Tucker, if he's in the lineup at 2,000, can't really go wrong there. Now moving on, we've got uh, the Nationals and the Royals as the next game up. Gio Gonzalez on the hill for the Washington Nationals. Edinson Volquez for the Royals here. Now Gio is off to a pretty solid start. 25 strikeouts over four starts, a 1-4-2 ERA, a whip under one, but his price is definitely caught up with that, and that's that's something that's tough to to ignore. I mean, at uh, ninety three hundred, is there any scenario in which you can envision Gio being in play against the Royals? I don't hate it, only because I think with that being a very pitcher friendly environment, I mean, Gio could still have a good start. Mm-hmm. What I don't like about it is that Gio's best category is strikeouts. I mean, that's the thing he's going to get you no matter what, no matter mm-hmm. what happens to the ERA and the WHIP, he usually gets you close to a strikeout per inning. And going back to the start of the 2014 season, no team has struck out less than the Royals. The Royals have a 16.3% K percentage as a team during that span. The next closest team is Oakland, almost two percentage points higher. So pretty significant difference over a long haul. The approach to those Royals hitters I think is problematic. So I am staying away from Geo in a DFS context today. Yeah, I definitely understand that. And I alluded to Gio's solid numbers early in the season, but you have to remember that he's faced the Phillies twice, a struggling Twins team, and just a dismal Braves team. So those numbers, uh, just based on his opponents so far, are going to be heading back up. Royals, clearly the toughest matchup out of those teams so far. Any hitters you're really looking at in this one? I mean, Hosmer's been pretty hot, so maybe he's in play for the Royals. Uh, You got to like, we kind of briefly alluded to Rendon earlier for the Nationals. He's struggled, but at a price under $3,000, he's someone that maybe you need to consider. Other than that, uh, is there a whole lot that jumps out at you, or is this going to be kind of a a chalk pitcher-friendly matchup? I kind of like Lorenzo Cain at 3,100. I think there's Mm -hmm. some value to be had there. Uh, With Kendry's Morales, I think maybe you could go that route, but I don't feel like it's necessary. Again, we talked about some other options that you could throw in there at, mm-hmm. at first. I, I think first I, base is just so deep. I just like those other options better, even though he's only 2500 A guy like Hosmer, I'm not going lefty-lefty with him. 3300 is a nice price break, but I think mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the only appeal, is that if the Royals can find a way to chase Geo early, yes. then you get all their lefties at a really good discount. So maybe there's a GPP stack to be had here, but from an individual matchup point, from a cash standpoint, I don't really see much I like on the Kansas City side. For the Nats, I mean, Harper's priced up right now, so mm-hmm. 5100 I'd I'd rather just pay a little less and get Trout. Uh, Daniel Murphy at 3600 is kind of intriguing, only because at the Keystone it's really hard to find power if you go cheap, so if you have to pay up, I think he's in the mix, both in GPPs and in cash. Yeah, I mean, Harper should be in play almost every single game, but the way he's priced up right now, I do prefer turning to Trout in Miller Park, and we didn't really talk about Andrew McCutcheon specifically, but going up against Jason Hamill, 
He's 9 for 30 with four extra base hits, two home runs. I mean, not a huge sample size, but has shown the prowess to take him deep before. So there's other outfielders in that top tier that I kind of like to roll with here. Let's head on to St. Louis where we've got the Phillies and Jeremy Hellickson, who has had a surprisingly good start against uh, the Cardinals here, against Adam Wainwright, who has had a pretty terrible start to the season so far, 7-1-6 ERA. That being said, the matchup's favorable for Wainwright. I mean, Cardinals minus 165 favorites, so home team win probability over under on the game of seven and a half. Is there a situation in which you could use Wainwright tonight? Yeah, I think he's in play for GPPs. I think the Phillies are one of the weaker lineups in the league, and they're going to be one of the weaker lineups in the league all season. And if you can't use Wainwright at this price at home in this matchup, then you really think something is damaged. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think he's just had a couple of rough outings to start the year. Uh, I think you've seen pitchers in the past that give you a 7 or 8 ERA in the first month of the season. They make a couple of small adjustments. They go right back to being the guys you expect them to be all along. And I think that's the kind of pitcher Wayne Wright is. Maybe the stuff isn't as crisp as it used to be, but this should even be a good start for him, even uh, in terms of strikeouts, which won't often be the case. So I do like Wayne Wright at 7,800 as a good tournament play. Yeah, I mean, Philly's seventh in the league in strikeout percentages, striking out at a 23.6% clip. And uh, we kind of talked about uh, liking to use weighted on base percentage as an average. Uh, Philly's the second worst in the league. I mean, uh, a tier above the Braves, who, like you said, a standard deviation down. But uh, just the matchup looks pretty good uh, for for Wainwright in that matchup. And, I mean, Hellickson, I feel like, is going to eventually head back down. Any Cardinals hitters that you're looking for? I mean, Brandon Moss is pretty hot lately, but... I I mean, you're going to have to, uh, it's going to come at a cost here because, uh, again, Brandon Moss first base and there's so many other options there. I think you might want to wait and see how that uh, lineup plays out because the Cardinals, you know, with Hazel Baker in and out, uh, with the outfield moving around here, is Moss going to play first? Is Adams going to play first holiday? It's something that maybe you want to wait and see for that starting lineup before making any concrete decisions. I like all the Cardinals hitters today. I'm, I'm not a Jeremy Hillickson guy. I think 3,900 on Carpenter is not bad. Richick at 2,800, not ideal on righty-righty, but that's fine if you want to do that. I actually like Piscotti a lot at 3,300. He's one of those guys I think he's showing overall. i got to go back to last year. If you look at this year, I think he's mashed lefties so far, but I think he's not really a strong splits guy. I think he just hits everybody pretty equally. Um, so I like Piscotti at that price. Colton Wong in GPPs, if he's in the lineup at 2,100, it's got to get going eventually. I mean, you got to keep an eye on the Adams-Moss situation, like you said. If whichever one of those guys is in, I think is worth playing. If it's Adams, 2300 is a cheap price. I probably would pass on him because of the first base factor, but there is a lot to like in this St. Louis lineup. The prices are not at all reflective of a matchup against Jeremy Hellickson. Yeah, I mean, Wong, I'm glad you mentioned him. He's an excellent GPP option. Has lost a lot of playing time early on with guys like Diaz and even losing uh, playing time to Jorko there. This the middle infielder's uh, pretty deep, and he's going to bat in the back half of the lineup, but I do like him as a GPP option, especially great for salary relief here uh, on on a Monday evening. Let's head to Oakland where we've got the Mariners and Nate Carnes, who has had a pretty strong start to the season against the Athletics and Kendall Graverman. Now those pitchers, I mean, Nate Carnes' price has climbed way up there uh, for me after his respectable start. I mean, he's sitting there at 8,200, and I, f- I find it tough to return value here. I actually am looking more towards hitters in this game personally. One of the early lineups I put together does feature Lind, Cano, and Seager kind of inadvertently ended up with a Seattle stack looking for value-type plays. Are you on board with that? Are you kind of looking more towards hitters in this one? 
Yeah, I, I like Seager quite a bit. If you're not going to pay up for one of the, the big boppers at uh, third base, I think he can do some damage here. 3300 is a nice price. And, you know, it, the stack makes some sense, too, because Lind is cheap. If he's near the heart of the order, you could go some combination of Lind, Cano, Seager, maybe Seth Smith in there, and, and you're mm-hmm. going to be in, in good shape as far as possible uh, long balls. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can attack it with the Mariners. On the Oakland side, the question is, how much do you really trust Nate Carnes? Because the prices aren't bad on the Oakland hitters either, probably because this game's at the Coliseum. I think your cheaper catcher play, if you're not going to play Posey, if you can't afford Posey, pivoting to Steven Vogt makes some sense against Carnes. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think the the range of outcomes is with Carnes in a start against a team like Oakland? Because the A's are, to me, they're not a good offense, but they're not an atrocious one. Even, even the stats might kind of lead you to believe that they're bad. Like I still kind of fear them in some ways when it comes to those mid-tier pitchers like Carnes. Yeah, mid-tier is right. I think he'll at least give up a couple runs. Maybe the most I could see him giving up is like five or six and then turning that over to the bullpen to maybe give up a few more. I guess that's in a best-case scenario if you're employing an Oakland stack. Uh, regardless, in the Oakland stack, I think uh, Jed Lowry could be in play to save some money at second base. He sits at only twenty three or 2,700, excuse me, and he's been batting second in the lineup for four straight games. So double-check those lineups on Rotowire just to make sure. But uh, I know they were trying Chris Coughlin out of the two-hole for a while. Lowry seems to uh, have taken that over and has you know, gotten a few hits this week and is returning value. So uh, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to go out of my way to stack up against Carnes, but if I end up with a couple of Oakland hitters in my lineup, I'm not necessarily going to try to stay or stray away from that either. Yeah, Oakland's 26th in WOBA right now, but they don't strike out a ton. They have that 19% strikeout rate, as I mentioned. They were second to the Royals going back to the start of the 2014 season as a team in terms of lowest strikeout rates so that's probably why I'm not wild about a guy like Carnes as a starting option tonight mm-hmm. for DFS purposes and in part probably why I'm also somewhat interested in, in guys like Lowry I think of the bunch he's probably the best player right now because he's been hitting second at a very low price yeah right on under 3,000 for a number two hitter with a relatively favorable match it means they're always going to be in play Last game of the evening here. This is at 10.10 p.m. Eastern time. We've got the Rockies who are sending John Gray to the mound against the Padres uh, who will send James Shields to the mound. Shields an ERA under 4 but starts out with an 0-4 record. Now Shields has been able to keep the ball inside the ballpark this year but that's come at a little bit of a cost in terms of his strikeouts. Those strikeout numbers are down big time when Shields in the past has always been someone, at least for those season-long guys, can help your strikeout numbers total. Uh, now this one... Over under a seven and a half. Rockies actually minus one twelve road favorites. Believe it or not, uh, that one might be a little bit puzzling for me. But who are you looking for mostly in this game? I think you can still pick on Shields a little bit. You're not going to get really high ownership numbers with Colorado players being on the road in San Diego. But you're also not getting big discounts. I mean, Arenado's at forty eight hundred. Blackman's at forty one hundred. I'd rather play Carlos Gonzalez at thirty seven hundred than Blackman's. You're going to save the four hundred bucks. I mean, if you're going to choose between Cargo and Para, you choose Cargo because there's more home run potential there. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to punt first base, if Ben Paulson gets the start, I guess he's an option at 2400 But I think Cargo is the player I like the most on the Colorado side. On the San Diego side, it's hard to find something you like in this offense, and I think that's part of the reason why I'm intrigued by John Gray as a GPP pitcher. I think in a mm-hmm. big field GPP, John Gray has some strikeout potential hasn't hurt himself with free passes in those first two starts. I think I'm more inclined to use him as a pitcher than try to find a Padre or two 
to put into my lineup. Yeah, no, right on with John Gray. I think what makes him a great GPP option as well is just the ownership's going to be low. People are going to be looking at numbers, and an ERA over 11 scares people off right away. However, you look at the two starts that he has accumulated so far. He struck out 10 this first time out, and those were both at Coors Field. So you take him to Petco Park, which is generally thought about to be more pitcher-friendly. I know maybe not as much lately, but... uh, it's in there as one of those most more pitcher-friendly ballparks. Gray's a good, decent option in, in GPPs. And what's the salary sit at? Like 5500 I want to say. So uh, absolutely uh, giving you a lot to like there. I mean, at 5500 that's barely more than guys like Mike Trout or Arenado cost. And I think all those Rockies are in play for you as well. Now, I, I know you're not a huge fan of the batter versus pitcher matchups, and I know some of these numbers against James Shields are, are skewed a bit towards Coors Field. But Nolan Arenado has four home runs in his career against James Shields 12 for 23 so when you're hitting over 500 over a sample size of 20 plus at bats I don't think you can really ignore that Uh, both Charlie Blackman and Carlos Gonzalez have three home runs against James Shields now again we mentioned those adjustments that Shields has made there at the same time you can't really ignore those numbers so you want to at least have some sort of share of this game I'm going with the Rocky side for sure. Yeah, I, I think my play is Cargo. I, I see the case for Arenado, but I don't think you can afford Arenado and Trout, so that's probably why I'm getting Cargo instead. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Remember that first-time FanDuels that make a deposit of $25 or more via Rotowire can get six months of complimentary access. To check out rotowire.com on your own, just go to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. For DVR, I'm Jake Letarski. The Rotowire Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast will return Tuesday with myself and John McKechnie.